0: Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 1115 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcowita.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Cowita. I hope you enjoy this week's message. I'm not sure if you guys understand Exactly um, what occurred when the birth of Christ happened. And so today and all through the Christmas season, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, We're going to talk about the unexpectedness of God. The unexpectedness of God is one of my favorite attributes of God. I love his mercy and I love his kindness and I love... I love his gentleness with us, but I tell you what, I really, really love his unexpectedness. I guess it's probably because at my core, I am a, I love, I love surprising people. Are you with me? I love setting up a scene where I can surprise people with a gift, like a really cool gift, or I love surprising people with you know, with, you know, like going and seeing them and surprising them maybe for their birthday or 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 for some other holiday or maybe my mom for Mother's Day. I really like doing that. I love doing the unexpected for other people. And here's the thing I've noticed. God does, too. And I love that about God. I love that about God. God. I don't know if you guys even realize this. Do you realize that by the end of the Old Testament, by the end of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, do you realize that the people that God chose to bring forth the Messiah were on the verge of total annihilation and they were basically focused more on pagan gods than they were God Himself? Do you realize that? As a matter of fact, one of the main messages of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, was this. You need to repent, and you need to go back to your first love. You need to go back to the God who brought you here. You need to go back to the God that created you. You need to go back to the only God because there is no other God besides God himself. And as the book of Malachi closed, you may not have known this, there was silence. From heaven for 400 years, 400 years. There was not there was not a prophet that came forward to speak truth to the Israelite people. There wasn't some huge event that occurred where God swooped down and intervened. There wasn't some major event that happened, in the lives of the Israelite people where they saw the moving of the hand of God for 400 years, 400 years. Now, it's amazing because some interesting things happened between those times. Let me tell you a couple things that happened, all right? The first thing that happened was this. Whenever Malachi closed his book in the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament, When he closed the book out, and I'm going to read to you the last thing he said in a second. When he closed the book out, they were so focused on other pagan gods and on idolatry. Uh, when When I was in South America doing a mission trip, I saw idolatry firsthand. Now, we have idolatry in our own lives. Idolatry is anything that we put above God. Back then, they would have these idols. We know it. Whenever uh, whenever Moses went up on the mountain and came back down, they had built a golden calf. That was an idol. They were big time into this idol by the time the Old Testament was getting ready to close. When I went to South America, these people had these idols that they had wood carvings, and they would put them on their mantles, kind of like Elf on a Shelf. (laughs) Anyway, that one's free. Anyway, so... they would would put these idols and they would worship these little idols that they would have. But that wasn't the case whenever the book of Matthew opened. When the book of Matthew opened, when we see the first writings of the New Testament, there was a major push by the religious people to push out those pagan gods. There was a major push. 400 years had passed. In the book of Malachi, there was no interest in the Messiah. There was no talk anymore of this coming Messiah that we had read about in Isaiah. There was no more any talk of that. None. The whole thing was this. You need to turn away from the pagan gods and you need to go to the God that is the only true God, the one that created you and created me. But when we open up the New Testament in the book of Matthew, suddenly there is a huge push for a Messiah. Why? Let me tell you why. When Malachi closes out, the Babylonians had once again infiltrated and taken over the whole population of Israel, the chosen people in the chosen land, the Babylonians were there once again. They had been infiltrated, and there was a lot of different false gods in the Babylonians, and so the people in Israel, what they would do is is they would worship those false gods. They would intermarry, and that was the main focus. But you see, what happened in the 400 years when we open up Matthew is that the Romans, the Roman conquest had occurred, and suddenly the Babylonians were no more The Romans had taken over, and they were oppressive. And can I tell you guys something? Whenever people are oppressed, whenever people are in strife, whenever they're in turmoil, whenever things are going really bad in their life, guess what they look for? A savior. Guess what you look for whenever things are going bad in your life? Guess what you look for whenever things are hard? Guess what you look for whenever things turn turn to the negative. Guess what you look for when a family member gets sick? Guess you look for a savior. And so they felt so oppressed that suddenly when we open up the book of Matthew, from Malachi to Matthew, they go from not even talking about a Messiah to that was the theme of the day. The Messiah would come. And here's another interesting fact. When they closed down the book of Malachi, there, were, there was only the temple, all right? The temple... Was the main focus of worship. The main temple, you would, all the people would go to the temple. But something had happened when Matthew opens up. As a matter of fact, something pretty major. They had gone from temple worship to going to synagogues. There were over 70 synagogues around Jerusalem alone, little bitty areas where people could go and worship. There was a synagogue in every town throughout the the area. They had spread these synagogues. And so people no longer had to do the hike to Jerusalem. They could have their own little synagogue in their own little area where they could come and worship. And these priests would go to these areas and they would worship there, no longer going to Israel except for certain times of the year. So major things have happened between the 400 years where God appeared to be silent. Here's what Malachi chapter 4 says. It's not going to be up on your screen, I don't think. Here's what it says. Starting in verse 5, Malachi chapter 4. Here's what you do. Go to the New Testament, turn to Matthew, and then turn, get, get past all the introduction of the intro things. Turn past those. There are usually a few blank pages on your Bible. Go a couple more pages, and there you'll find Malachi. And here's the last thing he says. By the way, this is pretty amazing. So, perk your ears up. Grab some coffee if you need to. This is pretty amazing how God works. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise... I will come and strike the land with a curse. So Malachi has one final thing he's going to say as he's closing it out. This, this prophet has one more thing to say, and he says this. I want you to know something. I'm going to send you Elijah. All right? I'm going to send you this Elijah, and he's going to turn the people's hearts back to God. That's what he says. And then we don't hear anything. For 400 years. And then we turn to the text that we're going to be looking at today. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Starting in verse 5. It says this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Ebalje, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. This is starting to sound a little familiar. One day, Zechariah was serving a God in the temple, For his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, the great crowd stood outside praying. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but they took this pretty doggone seriously whenever they would go into the inner, inner courts, all right? Here's what they would do. If you look at a temple drawing there's all kinds of different layers but in the dead center there's the temple is, is, is where the main courts were and I know you may not believe this but people would stand outside and praying they also stood outside for another reason do you know what the priests would do the priests would rattle they, they would put chains around their ankles because if they entered the holy of holies and they were unclean or un, unpure God would strike them dead And they would put chains around, and he would walk in rattling those chains. And as he goes in, he's rattling the chains, and so the people can hear the chains. Well, guess what happens if people don't hear the chains anymore and they hear a thud? They pull him out. That's what happened. So he's in the inner courts, in the very presence of God. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. And it says this, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. And here you go, and I'm already getting chills right now because I love this passage. Here you go. 400 years it's been. It's been 400 years since we heard anything from God. 400 years, nowhere has God spoken. No prophets or anything. Zechariah goes in, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared after 400 years and says, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Let's go on. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice. At his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be, what? Did this really just say this? He will be a man with the spirit and power of who? Elisha. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children. Wow, that sounds familiar. I think I read that somewhere in Malachi. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well in your Then the angel of the Lord said, I am Gabriel and I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you, what? To bring you this good news. What in the world does this tell you about God? Let me tell you what it tells you about God. The first thing it tells you about God is this. God's timing is absolutely perfect, all right? God's timing is absolutely perfect. It's perfect. It's amazing. I don't know if you guys have ever thought, if you, those who are married, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But Wendy and I have talked about this at times. Had Wendy and I met probably six months before we met or earlier, we would have never got married. We would have never got married. We never would have. I had been on a mission trip that humbled me and brought me to my knees and made me recommit to Christ. And it's funny, she had gone off to a seminary, and that's where we met at but we would have never met. We probably wouldn't even liked each other. Wendy was in a sorority when she was in college. I always called those by a buddy. She didn't like that I called them that. She still doesn't today. But she was in a sorority. I didn't like that. She had several things going on in her life. I had several things going on in my life. You see... I had wanted so badly to meet someone and get married and stuff. You know what I mean? Because I was like 23. And back then, y'all, I know some of you guys go to 30. But back then, man, you get 23, you get long in the tooth. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people start looking around going, well, I don't know what his deal is. But, uh, you know, Um, my dad told me one time, my dad said, I, I was like, you know, I'd been dating a few people, but I just wasn't interested. And he came to me and he said, son, you need to go to the bar and meet you a woman. I said, Dad, if I made a woman in the bar, she's going to go back to the bar. And I don't want her to go back to the bar. But I was kind of long in the tooth, so I was really concerned about it. And I remember all the time I spent wondering what was going to happen and what was going to happen and what was going to happen. And lo and behold, one night in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I had went up to visit a friend, and the door opened, and it was like, oh, and a light shone all around Wendy. And I knew then, that it was going to be the one. Can I tell you how much I had to worry about that? Zero. Can I tell you how much I did worry about it all the time? How about you? Are you the same way? Do you worry about those things? Can I tell you guys something? God's timing is perfect. I have no idea why God was silent for 400 years. I have no idea. All I know is this. God left off the Old Testament Telling us that he was going to send and telling us his plan. He was going to send an Elijah-like figure and he was going to be his plan. And he started off the New Testament and doggone it if he didn't keep his word. Isn't that amazing about God? Not only is his timing perfect, but he keeps his word. He kept his word. From the moment of Malachi spoke those words and 400 years later, you'd think God had forgot after 400 years. But you know what? It was the most important thing on his mind. It was the most important thing to him that he keep his word. God's timing is perfect. Oftentimes, we don't understand God's timing. Can I be honest with you and tell you this? Oftentimes, I don't agree with God's timing. I think it should happen in this amount of time, and God thinks it should happen usually a lot longer time. Are you with me on that, y'all? a lot longer time. And what ends up happening is, is that it doesn't happen. I get frustrated. I wrestle with God. I pout like a sissy, and I just want to get all mad, and I call my friends like, I don't know, let's go to lunch. Let's talk about this thing. And we talk about it and eat, and we, we wrestle with it. And then in the end, what happens is what happens all the time, and that is, is that God's timing is perfect. And if God doesn't want something to happen, I have to trust that he's okay, and I'm okay with that. And what usually ends up happening is, is that God will come through exactly when I needed him to and not a minute before. And that's exactly what's happening here. Why is that? Well, because God wants to do the unexpected. He does. The second point is this. God's plans are bigger than we expect. I want you to hear that. God's plans are bigger than we expect. You know, it was interesting. I'll brag on Wendy a little bit. Uh, Since I rag her sometimes from here, I, 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 I had, you know, like I said, 20, I was 23 years old, and so, um, I had a rule, um, I knew I didn't look that good, but I wasn't gonna marry an ugly woman, all right, I wasn't gonna do it, I mean, I'm telling you, people tried to set me up with people, and I was like, hey, oh, hey, girl, what's up, (laughs) so nice, hey, what's up, and then I said, what, did you like her? She was so nice. You know what I'm saying? And my dad one time, one time told me, he said, well, son, I don't mean to break his teeth, but, you know, you know, you know, you know exactly Mr., you know, I don't even know who he said, but he said somebody that was supposed to be attractive, apparently. And I was like, yeah, I know, Dad, but I'd rather be single than marry an ugly woman. Everybody with me? Every guy there is going, sure, that's right. I see y'all got lucky, too. Um. But I just want to go marry another woman. But it was interesting because I started, because I was getting kind of nervous, because all my friends were getting married, I was getting kind of nervous. And so I started, like, you guys ever been in a situation where you get a little desperate? And suddenly, you know, people start looking a little better. All right, let me just say that. (laughs) You guys ever been in that situation? You know what I'm talking about? I was like, well, man, she's all right. Yeah, it ain't nothing little lip wax won't hurt. You know what I'm saying? We got this. We can straighten them teeth. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, hmm. And I had actually gotten away from, and I'll never forget, uh, I'm not even going to say this. I went out on a date with someone who I didn't think was attractive, and it it was one date, and I was like, I'm just not going to do this. So I was just single and lonely. Lonely. Wondering if I was going to meet somebody. And Wendy walked in the door and I was like, that's a fine Mama Jamma right there. <laughs> I think I could deal with this. And the cool thing was, wasn't I first met her? I thought she was out of my league, and she was, and she still is. But isn't God good? He goes way beyond what we expect. He does. The truth of the matter is, if you're being honest with yourself right now, when you were 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, and you thought about how your life was going to be, if you'd have been told that it was going to be like it is right now, you wouldn't have believed it because it's better than you ever thought it would be. That's just the truth. If I told you that you were going to live in the house you live in right now, all right? If I told you you were going to live in the house you live in, if I, I'm not saying people don't have problems. I'm not saying people don't go through things. What I'm telling you is, is that if I'd have told you the story, you wouldn't have believed it. Why is that? Why is it bigger than we expect? Well, let me tell you why. Because God likes to do the unexpected. He does. He likes to do the unexpected. God likes to do the unexpected. One of the things we love about Christmas time is this. We love going out and maybe getting a gift or two for our kids that they never thought They would get. We like going overboard for our kids a little bit. And I encourage you to do that within reason. But we like doing that. And we like sitting back and watching them, whatever your tradition is Christmas Eve, Christmas night, whatever we like sitting back and watching them open up those gifts and go, Can I tell you guys something? God likes that with you too. You're like, oh, man, I'm 46 years old. He don't get, no, he does. He likes you to go, oh, my God. That one little, you know, that little moment, little surprise, God likes that for you too. He does. He likes to do that. He likes to do that for all of us. That's who he is. A lot of times what we do, guys, is we take God and we put him in this little bitty box that happens on Sunday And that's what we do. We put him in the little box on Sunday, and we take out our little God box on Sunday. We come here, we sing a few songs, we hear a a message, and then we go home, and we put God back in his little box. And we think we have to live our life the way it is right now, and that God doesn't have something better for us. And I'm here to tell you, he does. He does. You may say, well, I've got everything I need. That's fantastic. Your neighbor may not, so help them out. And that's better for you if you'll do that. He does have those things. A lot of times we try to put God in a box. Listen, that's what Gideon did. You guys remember the story of Gideon? Gideon was such a chicken that he went and hid where they used to to thresh the wheat. He was hiding. and 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 an angel came and said, Stand up, mighty warrior. And he was like, Mighty warrior. My name is Gideon. You guys know what? I told you guys this before. They would name people symbolically, the Jewish people would. You know what Gideon's name meant? It means loaf of bread. I kid you not. So basically he said, honey oat sunbeam. Stand up, mighty warrior. And he was like, I'm just a loaf of bread, man. No, you're a mighty warrior. Stand up. Why is that? Because God can see what we can't see. Stephen Curtis Chapman is a songwriter, and he has a song. And it says, God is God and I am not. I can only be a part of the bigger picture. I want to be a part of the bigger picture that he's painting. God is God and I am man. And even though I don't understand it all, only God is God. He wants to do the unexpected. He wants to do the unexpected for us. It's amazing. Right now, we are awaiting the birth of God of Wendy's sister's baby girl, all right? And it's incredible. Whenever a a woman is pregnant, we say that she is expecting. Are you with me? She's expecting. And so what Wendy's sister has done is she has had these things called showers, which are basically just a racket for people to give you stuff, and you take them back to Target and get whatever you want, all right? That's what happens But you register for these things. I mean, it's a process, man. You register, and then those person goes, and they click the little register, and they order you these things. Wendy's sister had one time, she had had over 100 people at one of her showers. She racked up. They almost had to call security to escort her out. I mean, she racked up. And we're away. The, the baby's room, you get it all decorated, you're expecting. You know it's coming. You know you're ready for it. You know you're, you're never ready for it, but you know you're, you're, getting, you're getting prepared, and you're trying to figure out when it's going to happen and all these kind of things. You're expecting. Can I tell you guys something? Most of the time, God does the opposite. He does the unexpected things. The unexpected things that make us go, "Oh, man, I can trust him." Oh man, He had this the whole time. Oh man, I't I didn't have to worry about all that. Oh my gosh, he knew. He knew what was going to happen. You know, I, I've told, told this story before, but in eighth grade, one of the biggest hurts of my life happened. I had to move away from my hometown to Ohio. Now, it wasn't bad enough that I had to move, but I had to move up north. Have you met Yankees? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's painful. Not only that, not only that, get this, you guys. I was in eighth grade. I had tons of friends in my hometown. I moved up there. My mom and dad moved 10 miles out into the country. It was me and my mom and a couple of dogs, and my dad would work all the time. And I was bored out of my mind. Ten miles out in the country. And I was bored and I was ticked off. And I didn't even know God, but I was mad at Him anyway. At the time, I didn't even know God and I was mad at Him. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Until I came home for spring break the following year. And I came to my hometown. And that guy and that girl and that guy and that guy and that guy and this girl had all changed. And they were smoking pot and drinking nonstop as a 14 and 15-year-old. And suddenly, I was like, I don't want to be that. And looking back on it now, when I surrendered the call to ministry... I realized something. Had I been in the hometown I was from, I would have been right there with them, doing everything they were doing. Instead, I was 10 miles out on a hill up north, apparently being prepared for a higher calling and a deeper holiness. And I'm thankful today that that happened. But I wasn't thankful at the time. And there are things right now that you are not thankful for. But one day you will be thankful for. Because you may not understand what God is doing right now, but I can tell you this He understands what He's doing right now. And I want to tell you, He likes to do the unexpected more than you can ever imagine, more than you'll ever know. But here's the question I want to leave you with. Will you let him? Will you let him do it? Will you let him do it? That's the question I want you to ponder this Christmas season. Will you let him do it? Let me pray for you. God, Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you so much for, for coming down at just the right time and doing exactly what you have said that you would do. God, 400 years was nothing to you. In the backdrop of eternity you had a plan and a purpose and a goal and just like just like the scripture says at just the right time Zechariah went into that inner sanctuary and at just the right time at just the right time he spoke he was spoken to by that angel and the angel says don't be afraid. God, I think that is the message that you would give us today. Don't be afraid. Let us be people that will turn our lives over to you and trust you. No matter what the situation and no matter what the outcome, we trust God that you're in full control and that you know what's best for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 1115 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.